Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Marvel Vision, a podcast about Marvel, the MCU, and right now, Phase 2, I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Captain America and the Winter Soldier, or rather, yes. Captain America colon the Winter Soldier. Excuse me, yes, Alex. And say yeah. the colon. They, Marvel man. always wants you to say the word colon. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're big, they're big that. into it. Right at they're the top punched. of the movie, they said that. They're yeah. like, hey, real mm-hmm. quick, there's no end here, just so you know. I just want you to know that. <laughs> no anyway, we should welcome our guest. We have a guest on the show today, DC Pearson, Woo-hoo! who actually appears yeah. as Aaron the Apple employee in Captain America, Colin, the Winter Soldier. DC, welcome. Hi, you three. Thank you for uh, having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled. I'm I'm perpetually thrilled to be in this movie. It always comes as a wonderful <laughs> surprise to me that I'm in All it. right! Uh, yeah, I, 100%. Uh, I, I, I was... I was uh, just watching some scenes from it earlier today and kind of jumping around in it. And then I was like, all right, I'm in a movie with Robert Redford. Oh, hey, (laughs) you know, it was like just all of that. All of those those uh, feelings came right back. It's a it's it's a perpetual, uh, wonderful thing in my life that I'm in this movie because it's so great. This is such a great uh, movie. to be here to talk about it. Yeah, and just to mention before we get into the role and how that happened, though I have a inkling of how exactly it happened for you. Uh, the movie was released April 4th, 2014, directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo, screenplay by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. And if you haven't watched it, though I'm sure everybody listening to this has watched this many, many times, go watch it, come back, because we're going to spoil the heck out of it. But just to set up your scene, so Steve Rogers and Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow are on the run. They go to a mall. They go into an Apple store to try to hack into a flash drive to try to find out the source of the signal, the source of the data that's coming off of it. They discover that it is Arnim Zola. And in the middle of that, you pop in, you interrupt them to help them out as a helpful Apple employee. Now, again, I said, I, I have an inkling off this. Did you get this off of knowing the Russos from community or was there another way in? Alex, one million percent. <laughs> Correct. Is one million percent. Uh, who you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, um, the level of, which is funny, and I'm sure um, um, Justin, as a fellow actor and comedian, you will 100% relate to this. It seems like the um, level of sort of like work and and dues paying and whatever that you do to is like, sometimes it's like directly proportional to like the coolness of opportunities you get, right? We would all like to think that that's the case. And then other times it is completely the opposite. In this case, this is like maybe the, just like the coolest thing I've ever been in, the highest profile thing I've ever been in, this gigantic blockbuster movie 
And how I got it was my agent at the time, Diane McGonigal, shout out. Uh, called me, uh, uh, oh yeah, just dropping, dropping names She's left and right. She's huge on um, this podcast. She's been on here so she many does. times. <laughs> she probably oh, yeah. does represent most of the people from the comedy world that you've had on here uh, or has at yes. one time or another. But um, she w- uh, sent me an email or gave me a call or something. It was like, do you want to be in Captain America too? And I was like... <laughs> Yes, I do. Um, and <laughs> how that sort of sort of uh, came about was that I was in a comedy group called Derek uh, with yes. uh, four other people. It was myself, Donald Glover, and Dominic Durkis were the like writer performers. And then uh, behind the camera and also writing were Dan Ekman, who was the director and also writer, and Meggie McFadden, who was the producer and also writer. And we made an independent movie called Mystery Team. And yes. that went to Sundance, where Sundance alums Joe and Anthony Russo, who made, made the movie Welcome to Collinwood, that was kind of their first feature uh, that went to Sundance. They saw it at Sundance and really, really liked it. And then so um, they kind of like took Dan Ekman under their wing as a director, and he ended up directing a couple episodes of the TV show Community that they then went on to uh, direct the pilot of and obviously be super crucially creatively involved in and also uh, cast or, you know, kind of put forth Donald to play Troy on on Community as well. So that we kind of all got very integrated into that world, including myself and Dominic and Meggie just making like some random cameos as uh, as green. Dale Community College uh, random people in it. Like in one episode, we played an, an improv group who Chevy Chase is hired to like punch up his jokes for oh, a like yeah. mystery science theater. Let's yeah. make fun of this bad movie party. So it was very, very neat to kind of, you know, just have sort of somebody who's kind of like looking out for you in that way, or just, you know, occasionally thinking of you and being like, oh, we should put them in this. And then you, you would, I, they, I would do it and then <laughs> try to do a good job. <laughs> and that was pretty much it. So like, I guess I'm sort of being glib in saying that like we didn't put work into to you know getting to the point where I would be on their radar to be in this movie because up until that point that all took a lot of work but the literal just sort of like being in Captain America 2 getting that opportunity did come as a result of them I think having this role in the script and then being like ODC oh, might be funny for it so I did not have to audition I literally just like I uh, said got a call and and they were like and and I and I should say I had no idea. Sorry, I'm going to take a sip of water because I sound really phlegmy. Uh, while you're drinking, uh, let me just say I love that you're like, it was just an email from my agent. And we made a movie that went to Sundance. <laughs> and <laughs> Years and years of work just to boil down those two things. Right. But it is sort of the like in terms of like pursuing this specific thing, it was like no yes. pursuit, not ever something I ever thought would would yeah. would come my way. Um, so, uh, I got contacted by her and it was like, do you want to be in Captain America too? And then at that point, um, started like, cause this is also just the way my brain is wired that started a clock in terms of like, when will this actually not happen? You know what I mean? Like it was sort of like, (laughs) this is very easy, come easy, go. This will probably not happen. So didn't hear anything for a while. Um, and they also would not tell me like what the part was going to be. It's not like they would like send me a script or anything like that. I'm sure other 
people in these movies that you've had that have had even big parts that you guys have, have talked to have, have said similar things like they wouldn't even share my scene with me they would not tell me what my character was anything of the sort wow and the first or the next time i heard about it was okay cool so this is still happening like it kept having to be that it kept having to mm-hmm. be diane being like it's still happening um and it's still happening and do you want to or not do you want to but like you have a fitting now you have a costume fitting so you're going to uh-huh. go get fit for the costume for this thing so i was like cool and they were like okay so the details are and when they sometimes when your agent sends you uh, uh, an email uh, about a project specifically, it will have like the name of the project in the subject line of the email. And in this case, the subject line, uh, the title was Freezer Burn because mm-hmm. that was the code name for this movie when it was in production, which was like pretty wow. uh, hilarious play on the, the Winter Soldier of it all and the Captain mm-hmm. America of it all. And it said like freezer burn, costume fitting, whatever. And it was like, okay, drive to this like warehouse in Hawthorne, which is in like <laughs> South LA, really, really far from where I lived. And so I drove down there and it was literally like between a party city and just like a completely anonymous, you know, corporate park was just this like warehouse. And again, completely no anything on it to indicate like, this is where this is being filmed. It was just like true. It felt very like Hydra esque or, or yeah. you know what I mean? very like, you, you had to, com- you had to hack a flash drive to get Okay. He can play the part. All right. This guy's got, <laughs> he's got the chops. He's going to come off credible. Um, so I um, drive up to it and it's sort of like, okay, go here and then, you know, check in. And again, completely sort of anonymous process where every single, every moment you're a little bit like, is this it? I think maybe there was like yeah. a little <laughs> sign that was like freezer burn. It's like, okay, cool. I'm in the right place. Um, and so I went uh, into um, uh, this giant warehouse and it was just full of like, it, no, well, it was full of nothing, I should say, is really what, I, what I'm trying to imagine <laughs> it, is it was like every part of it was like fenced off with like chain link fence and all of the chain link fence little sort of weird little cubicles and fenced off parts were all completely like blanked out with like tarps. So you couldn't see. So you were, it was very sort of like any part you're in, you can't see any other part. It was almost like oh, a visual wow. metaphor for seems like the production of these movies, right? That's like, that's the yeah. level of secrecy they have to have to make sure that like very little about it gets out. And so I kind of go in and I check in and they're like, okay, cool. And the, the costume designer comes out and brings me in and she's like, okay. And then she takes me to another little, you know, she has like a rack of costumes, but again, it's, I can barely see anything. It's just sort of like, oh, there's a couple of kind of, you know, it's just sort of general, uh, gun guy costumes. Like, I think it's probably ends <laughs> up being, you know, sort of like some mercenaries in this that are probably working for Hydra at the end of the day, but they're pretty just like standard bulletproof vest, whatever. And then like some blue shirts and like pants. And I was like, I think that looks like an Apple store <laughs> employee. And they had like the little name tag. Like, Don't you and dare say like, nothing. Say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it will, for sure. I was like, okay, cool. And she, you know, takes it and, and it takes a couple of those and puts me in another even smaller little fenced off area and has me try those on and takes a couple of pictures. And I'm like, I'm sort of like, Oh, like, you know, like an Apple store employee or whatever, or maybe it even has the Apple insignia. And it's not like she just like, then is like, turn on the gas or whatever, but maybe yeah, she was like, yeah, she totally. pale. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my God. He knows. He's on to us. Um, and then I just become food that then they eat at catering during uh, the production of the film. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so then it was sort of like, okay, I'm pretty sure I'm an Apple store employee, but that's again, the only thing that I know at that point. And it's sort no. of just left to my imagination to wonder how I fit in. If I may interrupt, I'm Please. wondering, like, when you saw the security guard kind of like bulletproof vest, were you like, oh, maybe That's I'll be me. a minion? Yeah. Were you like, oh, I'm a minion or I'm going to or were you were you pulling for the Apple store employee <laughs> uniform? Were you hoping there'd be a cape involved? I like, think mentally, what were you going through? That's such a great question. Given that I up until that point and still afterward have primarily played like bad, annoying employees of places. <laughs> I was like 90% sure. It's like, I don't think I'm going to be a sort of like mercenary gun guy, okay. dude. I'm pretty right. sure I'm going to be the like retail employee, uh, here. Um, but that would have been, that would have been cool. I wonder if I wondered that I, I, I like to think that maybe I did. Um, and then again, so it's sort of like, okay, I'm fitted for the costume. So it feels like marginally more real, but then mentally the fact that it is becoming more real also makes it feel like more like it probably won't happen. If that makes any sense. Like yes. there's, there's more, uh, it's now more in jeopardy, the realer it gets and We're then, healthy people. It's all good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mentally yeah, as an actor, yeah, you're totally not very much jumping ahead, but there's still a part of you that thinks they're going to cut it out of the movie. Right. Dude, Alex, I literally was like, when I was scrubbing around, just watching different scenes in the movie today, I was, I, I had the same feeling that I had watching the movie for the first time, which was like, I've been told I'm in it. And I, I know that I'm in it. And in this case, I've seen that I'm in it. I've had people react to the fact that I'm in it for years now. Like you said, I got to, I, I, I before uh, alluded to, um, you know, have since gotten to reprise this character in an, in an ad. And there was still a part of me that once we got past that scene, was like, oh, thank God I'm still in it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Race. Like truly, I had that, I had that uh, visceral feeling. So anyway, don't hear anything. And then finally hear like, okay, you know, uh, they're blocking you out for like these dates is probably when it will shoot, you know, one of these, you know, a couple of days or something. And then, so it's like, okay, it seems like more like it's going to happen. And then I get, um, told like, okay, you're going to be shooting this night. It's going to be like uh, on a, on a, on an, on an evening, um, like a night shoot. And it's going to be at this mall in Tarzana, California. So it's like, okay, cool that you know again you're sort of like <laughs> apple store that makes sense i was um, gonna be there anyway cool yes. great perfect <laughs> so, <laughs> on my route yeah they have an amazing they have one of the only orange juliuses that is still oh, uh, still so operational um I actually don't know that that's true. Nobody drive out to uh, the Tarzana Mall and Brave getting the Delta variant just because you heard there was maybe an orange Julius uh, seven years ago on a podcast. Um, so I go you know sort of like it's that night and again i don't know like am i supposed to you know i i have as you saw in the movie just like long hair and a big beard at that point and i'm sort of just like i guess this is how they want me to look they haven't told me to look any different or if i'm sure if they do they will change the way i look once i once i get there and uh go to the tarzana mall and um like six or seven p.m and then similarly this the same sort of feeling of like there's definitely sort of a like perimeter where it's sort of like there's signs that's like, again, freezer burn, you know, whatever, and good parking here. And I park and I get out and go to like, uh, there's like a sort of an island of um, big trailers and RVs and, and mobile homes and stuff, which is kind of a visual shorthand for like, okay, something is shooting here. Walk up to that and say, hey, I'm here. I'm here to, you know, be in the movie. And um, then get sent to like hair and makeup where I think they were basically like, okay, you know, 
and maybe I don't remember if I saw either of the Russo brothers at that point, or maybe they just sort of, you know, had been told like the hair and makeup people had been told already, just basically like, he looks fine. That's how we want him to look <laughs> super long, crazy long hair and a big beard. And it's funny when we actually, um, when I, when I saw the movie, like when it came out, I was astonished at how, cause I've had like essentially that look for a long time, but I was genuinely astonished at how long my hair and, and beard had been. It's really It's nuts because I think part of, I think what I liked about it was that it was like, or at least it's in the way I treated it, it was like, Oh, this is like super low maintenance. I basically am doing nothing, um, which I'm sure so many more of our, of our uh, male uh, uh, identifying listeners will sympathize with over the course of the pandemic where you're just like, Oh, right. You just let it go. And it just goes. Yeah. And this, it's, so you look yeah. that way and it gets more that way, but you kind of, when you're not regularly keeping up on it, you lose track of it. And when you look in the mirror, you don't see like, exactly how long it's gotten (laughs) you just because you see yourself in the mirror every day you kind of lose track of like how crazy yeah it's definitely i always try to look at my hair in imax if i can because it gives me like the (laughs) proper scale well you know you you say that but like i'm like oh i'm good enough for zoom and then when i see people i'm like oh fuck i'm oh yeah 100 percent. absolutely yeah i'm good enough for zoom it's the front you can see the back (laughs) it's all pins and paper clips holding it together (laughs) (laughs) um oh uh, um, uh, absolutely one million percent so but at the time they were just like yep looks good and I, i i genuinely think like and I think this is also a testament to sort of like the, the the Russo brothers and the fact that they actually kind of the environment that they're able to create, even when you're doing this like gigantic, you know, multi-million dollar uh, future summer blockbuster is like, yes, there is all of these layers of, of, of secrecy and all of this stuff that is, you know, that you have to do to make a movie like this and keep a lot of stuff secret because you want to have cool surprises for the audience and, and not have it ruined, but like the actual environment that they would create for like the actors was one of just like, this is super cool. This feels like I'm shooting a video with my friends, you know, not in terms yeah. of all the trappings on the outside, but in terms of just like what you're actually getting to do once you actually get on set, it felt very, very chill. And so there was just like, yep, you look good. I think maybe she like brushed my hair a little bit and was like, all right, get now he's, he's good to go put on my Apple costume. And then they brought me to inside the mall. And I think that's when I actually, you know, said hi to like Joe and, and Anthony, the directors and was truly just like, thank you so much for having me. This is so cool. I love it so much. This is so, so, so amazing. Um, and I just like sat and chatted with like one of the stand-ins for a while and was just kind of waiting around and, and, oh, and then I think, I think I got my script. This is like way too much detail. I apologize. I think no, I finally I got it. the script when I was like out in the trailer, like when I, they were sort of like, here you go, but not the full, it wasn't like the full script. It was just like these two or three pages that we're shooting yeah. today of you. This is, you know. At, at what point did you know you were shooting a scene with Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson? That's a great there. question. I don't know. No, I genuinely don't remember, Alex. Okay. That's, a, that's a really good question. I think it was probably like once I got there, but maybe I was told beforehand. Cause I, I was, I don't remember a moment of being like, Holy shit, it's with them. Um, but I, that could totally be the case. I don't, um, I, 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 I genuinely don't remember, but I do think like that reminds me like as an actor, I feel like you're always, when you're, when you're getting to do something inside of something that you're like a fan of, or that you're really excited about, 
the thing that you're on the lookout for is like, is this plot critical? Like, does this scene feel like something that is actually moving the story forward? Because that enhances the chances of it being in the final product because Mm -hmm. it's sort of like there, there's a piece of the story in there that seems important. And granted, I don't know what the rest of the story is, but as soon as I see like, okay, it's Steve and Natasha, it's, you know, it's, it's them. They're clearly like trying to figure something out and they start the scene not knowing. And then this is how they're going to figure it out. And they figure it out. Like, and then that clearly like moves them forward. I kind of felt like, a little sense of relief of like, okay, obviously I'm sure these things go through all sorts of reshoots and retools and whatever, but this at least feels like this isn't a purely comedic scene with no other right. meat on the bone. So I was a little bit relieved. Like um, I, I remember being in a scene in, in 30 rock once Justin Tyler's 30 rock, I should say. Yeah, that's um, very different. <laughs> very different um, than the one on TV. Yeah. Uh, I, um, wait, weren't you a writer in a bunch of 30 rock though? Uh, no, Gabe, Gabrus was. Gabrus no, was really? the yes. You were uh, never in the writers' room on Thirty Rock. Is that a I false never, memory that I have? It. Uh, okay. I mean, it's not what it's, I never was. No, but <laughs> Gabrus was. Fisher was. It was all the people like the people I palled around with were were there. Justin, what the hell, man? Talk about a special <laughs> edition. We gotta get the. I I really apologize. I'm sorry. No, I, I truly we gotta was reboot like, the show. We gotta make this right. Yeah, absolutely. I was absolutely. I I was like I have, I have such a clear memory of that. Um, well, I apologize. If it makes you feel any better, no. I wasn't in it either. As I was, yeah, say, yeah. I, was I was in a, I was in a scene once that was truly just like I was like oh this is really funny. I auditioned. I got the part. This is awesome. This is so cool. I'm in a scene with Alec Baldwin. Surely it'll be in the whatever. But it was truly just like if you looked at the way that episode flowed, like where it ultimately went. It was it was completely did not advance the plot one iota, and then of course they yeah. they cut it out because they were like yeah. I'm sure they were like oh this is fine, but it's we're over time, and so this is just something that lifts right out. So all that yeah. to say, I felt like this did not you know this hopefully would not lift right out, um, and then get to set meet you know meet up with with Joe and Anthony, and again they just create an incredibly cool vibe. Like you never hear like yelling you never hear sort of like super intense you know i always think of the sort of like um uh and it's also like debatable whether or not he was actually being a dick because maybe the dp was being a dick or whatever but that famous like leaped a leaked christian bale thing from the terminator movie where he's just like screaming he's like i'm trying to whatever it's like that is the vibe i imagine on those giant movies and the vibe on on this, and I'm sure there were days that were maybe more stressful than than the day that I was there. But the the vibe was just <laughs> so incredibly, incredibly, just like, cool. So yeah, so we'll bring you right in, and and here's what you're gonna do. And like the the Russos just have an incredibly like mellow way of 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 doing things, and it really reminded me ultimately when we did end up shooting the scene. Um, of the way that they would do stuff on community where it would just kind of be like them at video village, you know, looking at the monitor and then they have like, you know, uh, 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 DP and, and, and assistant camera people who they really trust. And, and so they're just able to be like, okay, cool. So, you know, so-and-so, uh, 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 Vinny, you know, whoever the, the <laughs> AC is like, uh, go ahead and uh, dig out a nice big whitey wide on this one or whatever. They have their own little weird lingo where oh, they're talking yeah. about like the sort of camera the geography and, and whatever. But then they're also like, okay, yeah. So in uh, DC, just go ahead and dig out one where you're like just super, uh, over it or whatever and go ahead and dig out one where you're just like uh, really on top of them or whatever and in this case it was just sort of like 
we literally just like did it a couple times. They let me know, like, if you want to kind of play around with it, you can, which again, feels nuts. Cause you're sort of like, I'm in this environment in which so much, like if you could see a like taxi meter running up, it would just be like truly yeah. thousands and, and tens of thousands of dollars are just, yeah, absolutely. And every okay, moment just relax, is just take your time. Have some exactly. fun with it. Yeah. But it works. Like they do have this force field where you actually do like everything else is crazy, but inside of that oh, it wow. is so cool and genuinely feels like you can kind of play around and do little fun stuff and that they trust you and that you're in a cool, supportive, creative environment. And so that sort of allowed me to like, for the most part, stay on script. And I also just like, just got the script. So I really want to like learn the lines and know what the beats are, but it's not, but like three, four lines. Um, And so did kind of allow me to sort of just, you know, throw out dumb little shit like, um, uh, you know, like sort of, Oh, specimen or, you know, whatever, like just little sort of tags and little things. And also I think too, having done a bunch of, cause also, and, 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 and again, Justin, I'm sure you will feel me on this, like improv as done on stage as, as we learn and Alex too, as uh, you, you'll get this, like as like a stage improviser, like the way we're taught, has nothing to do with like filmed what is called improv. Like there, it's not the same thing whatsoever. Cause in stage improv, you're sort of building a scene and you're, um, uh, you know, trusting your scene partner and kind of building a reality together. Whereas most times in like filmed, what is called like when people are like improvising on film in like a TV show or commercial or, or movie, they're really just sort of like doing alternate jokes to the jokes that are already on the page like they're just you're just sort of writing jokes on your feet and like giving them options for maybe different jokes they can do because just about anything else like it's not like i can go like okay, cool. I know on screen it says like, Hey, they're looking and they see that the, the, the facilities in New Jersey and that's where they're going next or whatever. I can't be like, Hey guys, I'm actually in Hydra and don't worry about <laughs> yeah. this. I know the real thing. come with me. Like that's just never going to be in the fucking right. thing. Like was- you are sort of pitching jokes within a very pitching them in real time on camera in, 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 um, you know, but they have to fit within the framework of what the scene is. It also helped that the scene as written was really funny. And I felt like, Oh, this is right for me. Like, this is like kind of a goofy sort of aloof, uh, guy who's like friendly and nice, but the context in which he's being friendly and nice in, in, in these people's lives is like, he is fucking our shit up. Our lives are at stake, you know? (laughs) And then, and then having that moment, getting to do that moment of like, like Steve thinks I may have recognized him as being Steve Rogers or Captain America. And then just getting to do that little turn is like, that's fucking so cool. And I know, you know, reading it on the page, like I know exactly what that moment is. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, And getting to do that is just, was just really cool. And I guess the reason that I sort of fluff up the finding out about the job and whatever part of the story is because like in terms of shooting it, it was really <laughs> chill. Like yeah, it was yeah. genuinely didn't take that long. You know, I, I think I, I was out before like lunch that, that, that night, I just sort of was like the first half of their day and Scarlett Johansson was really cool and nice and normal seeming. And Chris Evans was really cool and nice and normal seeming. Um, and so that part of it was, was shocking in its drama free sort of boring. I just kind of get to go in and sort of do my little thing. And, and the Russos seem to think it's funny and that I'm doing a good job. And then I get to go. And then the only sort of little slice of like, holy shit, this is a Marvel movie came when 
there was like, you know, I think they were basically like turning around. So it was like, it had been on, you know, Scarlett Johansson and, and Chris Evans. And then now it's turning around to be my uh, close up or something. So they're doing like a relight. And in that period, I was just kind of like hanging out, just like, I'm just soaking this up. This is super cool. What's happening. And at that moment, um, there was a dude who I think is really heavily involved. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but you guys might know. Um, it's like a kind of a like Marvel continuity uh, guru, like MCU sort of like, he's like this, like almost like uh, uh, what you would have like as a dramaturg for a play. Like he's got the big Bible of like right. everything that's going to happen, where it's been, where it's going. It'd and he funny. really knows like all the shit. And I remember seeing, I think it was that guy, because I, I I chatted with him for for a minute uh, before or after like that guy and a couple of other people bringing over like maybe on an iPad or maybe printed out I don't remember but like the some stuff that what I would realize once I saw the movie was oh this is that like giant carrier ship sort of battle super oh, duper crazy yeah. set piece at the end where they're all over like the Potomac those giant cool mm -hmm. like propeller yeah. ships um, and seeing those a little bit being like oh fucking sweet like, <laughs> having no you know having no uh, uh, context but just being like that's going to be, that's cool. going to be cool. And then, that's you know, the I, flash drive you want to hack is that. Yes, precisely. Drive. And and just seeing that those people bring that over and talking to the Russo's like, okay, so we're thinking this and that, and then being like, okay, we're thinking, you know, whatever. And again, having zero context for any of it, but it, it you know, just being like, Oh fuck, that's, that's really cool that they're talking about the <laughs> shit. Well, for the movie. And, and you improvised a line about the Eternals and that's why they had to make the Eternals. Yes. Movie, yeah, right? exactly. I, there was one angle where they were like, anything you say in this angle has to go directly into the movie and does become uh, continuity. Um, and so, yeah, that's when I just truly just made the entire Marvel universe into like a Lego battle that I would have with my friends <laughs> yeah. in like fourth grade where I was just like, and then Luke Skywalker comes and then, um, Mulder is there and, uh, all of the, I don't, the, want, I don't uh, want to go too far afield. That is the worst part of the movie. I'm sorry. It just, <laughs> oh, it's, bad. Wow. it's just really not good. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't take fit. Fuck, fuck you, sense. man. Fuck you, Alex. <laughs> we're talking about, while we're talking about the craft, sure. um, uh, Pete, um, you were an Apple Store employee. Yeah, yeah. So that's can you um, really oh, weigh in here on the, love this. <laughs> yeah, the reality? Yeah, well, really... What was really awesome is two things. First off, you look like a guy uh, who works in an Apple store, very much so. And I, I worked with a lot of, like, yeah, people like that who are very just kind of, like, wandering by, like, hey, what's up? Uh, can I help you? Um, but also, like, the glasses bit it is such a thing of because of, like, you're standing there with a complete stranger and you're trying to be like, hey, you know, like if you want to buy this iPad or whatever, cool, you know, I'm not getting commission, but I'm killing time. So you would just be like, hey, cool shades or I like your shirt or whatever. So it was such a kind of like someone who works in retail for a while and made such a funny joke. Now, DC, did you shadow oh, thanks, Pete? Man. Did you shadow Pete to prepare for this? Yeah, I can't believe he didn't bring it up or that I didn't make that much of an impression that he wouldn't uh, mention it right now. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, no, it was, um, I, I have, I sense, I think maybe even that night there was a guy, there was a couple people there who were like, we're the people from the Apple store that get to like be here. Cause it's, right. I think they're sort of like, we know that like Disney and, and Marvel are like accountable for if they like mess up some computers, I'm sure they're good for it. <laughs> but there were still a couple of people there who were sort of like, Oh, if they needed to know, like, how do we turn off this light or how do we kill the AC exactly. or whatever that we're sort of there and chatting with him. And I do feel like there was a moment of sort of him being like, you got it, man. 
you got this right on. <laughs> and that, and that genuinely be meaningful because it's like you don't want to feel like you're doing because I I am a big Apple user. I've been to the Apple Store many times. Apple has that thing where you sort of sometimes you're like, I think I just like buying stuff at the yeah. Apple Store. It just like feels good. Like they managed to make it feel like an accomplishment. That you walk out of there being like, I went in thinking I would spend four hundred dollars and spent and instead I spent eleven hundred dollars. And for some reason I'm like, yeah, that was great. That was I did good. the right thing. I'm it was awesome. good that I did. That. Um, and so I wanted to, I wanted to honor that, you know, I was not trying to, uh, lampoon anyone. So I'm glad to, to hear from a, from a fellow Apple store employee that that was, that was, uh, a fellow Apple. Now you did, as we mentioned earlier, you brought back the character. I believe we mentioned earlier, uh, you brought back the character for an Xbox ad that was tying into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You got to play Aaron again. You're with Anthony Mackie playing some Xbox games. Where, how did that come up? Was that another yeah. second email from your agent? So that, I will try to, I will try to make it a shorter, uh, uh, uh story, but, <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, just, it was literally this, this, uh, winter got again, another email out of the blue that was like, Hey, we're just checking. It was like somebody from an ad agency just saying like, Hey, we're doing this thing for Xbox. And again, not really sharing exactly what it was, but being like, he would reprise his, it's like a tie in with Xbox and winter Falcon and the winter soldier on Disney plus he would reprise his role. You know, what's your interest level? Cause it was also like, it's during COVID and it was shooting in new Orleans. Um, cause Anthony mm. Mackie, I think is based in new Orleans. And I, yeah, I yeah. it was also just like, if it's between who's going to fly me or Anthony, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's going to be, it's yeah. going to be, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, and so I was, you know, again, very much just like, Oh my God, that would be, that would be so cool. That would be really whatever. Um, and there was obviously like considerations because it's during COVID and have people in my household who have, you know, immunocompromised, whatever. So just sort of oh, wanted to make sure like, everything, you know, just sort of trying to evaluate like, what's the whatever. And okay, I'm going to quarantine, you know, once I get back and they also wanted me to COVID test beforehand, whatever, blah, 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 boring stuff, but just shit that we had to figure out. And then was like, yes, absolutely. 100%. I would, I would love to do that. Um, and then the, uh, kind of craziest part was I look so effectively like how I look now, like shorter, you know, still beard and hair, but like shorter beard Mm -hmm. and shorter hair. And they were like, we want to really recreate your look for, and, and from, from when you were in winter soldier. And so I was like, well, I don't really look exactly like that anymore. And they were like, oh yeah, no problem. We'll like recreate it with a wig and and whatever. Um, So I flew into New Orleans and went to this like fitting. Um, And because it's COVID, there was like very few people there. There was just like the wardrobe person and like the hair and makeup person and like their assistants. And then like nobody else in this hotel ballroom. And then like on a uh, not an iPad, like a Microsoft surface probably. Cause it's like for Microsoft, right. all yeah, of these yeah, Microsoft yeah. executives I think are like watching on a zoom that like this assistant yeah. is holding up as all this stuff is happening, but it was very, just like nobody else. Yeah. Um, and you're around. like this time, this time I'm getting in the gun stuff. Right? <laughs> gun <laughs> yeah, stuff this time. And I was yeah. like, I brought it on the plane with me. And then I was like, <laughs> yeah. really tackled oh, and arrested. Um, 
Uh, well, that's because what you have to know about me is what you think based on my demeanor is that I'm a huge fucking gun nut. <laughs> yes. Um, as crazy as yeah, back, cool. back at UCB. Zoom right now. You put up oh, this yeah, mutual yeah, background no. because your entire wall is yeah, nothing exactly but AK-47s. My, I, my, I call it my super Bobert uh, arsenal. I have every, every gun that Laura Bobert has, but with another same gun, 69ing that gun, uh, duct tape to it. Uh, oh, man. Yeah. She, she talks about you a lot. Yeah, she does. Sort of the most normal stuff that she says. She's always after you. Um... Uh, yeah, I know. And Laura, if you're listening, uh, gosh, uh, God love you. Um, so, so huge anyway. listener, her and Diane McGonigal are on this podcast together, together. They're on together. Is, um, they did not agree on Ant-Man. No, they, yeah, they're the original odd couple. Um, so, uh, anyway, get there and then like, see that, oh shit, she, she actually has the, the costume person has like procured and or made a, like me seven years ago wig. So it's just like this really long blonde (laughs) wig on this wig head. And, but I was also thinking to myself like, huh, I wonder if it will fit because I have a gigantic head. Like anytime Mm -hmm. I've ever done any costume fittings where they want to put me in a hat, as they will often do because I've played a lot of sort of like hipstery douchebag characters where like put them in a fucking stupid Amish hat or something, (laughs) Um, uh, which I totally get the temptation. I'm almost always like, hey, by the way, my head is huge. I doubt that hat will fit or we'll we'll see. And then they'll be like, it'll fit. It's really big. And then like they're always like trying to pull it on and it doesn't fit. And I feel like, yeah, I have a giant head. And so... Um, the, the, we're doing the rest of the fitting and then the, the, um, the hair and makeup, uh, person starts, uh, she's like, okay, now let's try on the wig. And then I just hear her, it's like her and her assistant and she's like pulling it on and it's like, Uh I can feel it like not going and I can kind of hear her kind of like, (sighs) and then she just, she says to her assistant, she's just like quietly just like, girl. (laughs) This is not, this is not happening. Um, and so I, I just like quietly to her. Cause I realized like we're on camera with all these executives. I'm just like, yeah, sorry. My head is really big. And she's like, no, it's fine. We're going to, we're going to make it work. And then she, again, unflappable, like people that work behind the camera in the film industry are like by and large, if they, if they work at all, it's because they're fucking amazing and they work under such insane pressure. And so without batting an eye in front of all yeah. these people who are ostensibly her Chill. bosses, whose entire, you know, like, like, uh, yeah, just are just very much. So, so she just starts like cutting up this wig and then pinning it inside of my hair. Like she changes it from like a wig to basically like weave almost oh, like wow. magically and just sort of starts integrating it into my real hair. And it's so nuts. And then um, she, so, so then they show me off to the, the executives on the Microsoft Surface and the executive is like, oh my God, it looks great. I'm, I'm looking at a picture of him back and he looks exactly like the thing. That's so awesome. And then uh, they're like, okay, great. That's it. That's it for the evening. And they turn, you know, the executives go away on the Microsoft Surface. And then, and then this, the, the uh, assistant says to the uh, hair and makeup person, like, how are you, the shoots tomorrow. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you can't redo that. This is a one-time deal. Like you're not going to be able to recreate this. Yeah. And I was like, redo that. No. Yeah. No fucking way. And she's like, I guess I'll just figure it out. And I was like, well, it's, I was like, it's COVID. And I'm like by myself in new Orleans. I was like, I'm not doing anything tonight. Like you could just, if you want to, you could just leave it in. And she was like, are you sure? I was like, yeah. And so she just ended up like, and maybe I can, if you guys remind me, I'll send you a picture that you can post. But I just like 
by she basically just takes like crepe paper or whatever. I'm sure there's a technical name for it, but basically just like bandages and like wraps my head in bandages. Wow. So it looks like I went into this hotel room with one length of hair and came out with much longer hair and a severe head injury. Um, and so I, and then I just showed up like that the next day. And again, wow. very little to report from the shoot. Anthony Mackie was super fucking nice and cool. And similarly, we got to kind of play around and do different little, little stuff. And then I will say what I did not fully grasp the significance of at the time, even though I had seen, I can't remember which, is it in Ragnarok where Thor is? Endgame, I apologize. Um, So I had seen that movie and I remember that scene where it's like Thor's mad at a kid that's like beating him at video games whose name is Noobmaster69. And I knew that was in the script, whatever, that say the line. uh, And basically where this guy says like, oh, my gamer tag is Noobmaster69. But I did not realize the like deep significance that this would have to to MCU fans. And so when the thing came out, because it took several months, I was just getting hit up all the time by people being like, dude, you're new master 69. You beat Thor in video games. Oh my God. And then like all of these, I guess there was all these videos cause I'm not on TikTok, but like, I guess there were all these videos going around on TikTok of MCU fans being like, having these like crazy theories where they're like, he's the Aaron from the Apple store who now works at like the Microsoft store is new master 69. And since he was able to defeat Thor, he's actually the most powerful character in the Marvel universe. (laughs) And he's going to be revealed to be like the biggest, like Mm -hmm. big bad people thought that I was going to be the big bad on like, he's worthy. He's worthy. Yeah, people were literally like, "He, you actually are, you know, and I think so, a lot of it was it was sort of a, a, a kind of a like fun, you know, yeah. tongue in cheek somewhat. But some people were genuinely like, I, we figured it out and you are the and I, I it was a, a thing where you want some people would be like, oh, so are you? And I wanted to be like, no, dude, this I, is real. I, a, I wouldn't be able to tell you even if I was and be like, I wish like that would be great. <laughs> but for the most part, just being grateful again to get to reprise that role and being a part of the universe is uh, is. Yeah. just genuinely the thrill of a lifetime and and continues to be that just kind of blew my mind if at the end of the loki it wasn't kang it was noob master that's why you befriend the continuity guy (laughs) (laughs) right remember this face Mm -hmm. uh all right well let's jump into the movie proper a little bit uh not to keep going with it but i'm curious to hear from you dc where where did you first see it did you I think I saw it like the ArcLight. Yeah, I did. I did go. So I had heard as as up until like I feel like a few weeks out. I think I checked with like my manager. Like, is there any way to find out like if I'm still in it? And I think he was like, "Yes, you are. Like, chill out. You're still in the (laughs) movie. Buy a fucking movie ticket." Go yes, to the movie exactly. theater, take a look. <laughs> Precisely. And uh-huh. that was then that was basically it. Then then went with um uh my now wife Haley and went and saw it and it was super, you know, uh, genuinely let that feeling that we talked about earlier of like watching the movie, thinking, Oh my gosh, this is super cool. This is genuinely like one of my favorite ones of these yeah. that I've already, you know, really enjoyed. And then seeing the scene, having the scene like get laughs and then being like so relieved after the scene played because for some reason seeing it with my own eyes felt like now I'm, I'm like irreparably in yeah. the movie. You know what I mean? So it yeah. was really cool. And then just got to enjoy the rest of the movie. Cause I had no idea what happened in the rest <laughs> of it and just get to, I, I had read, like, I, I guess I forgot to say that. Not that it super matters one way or the other, but like when I found out I was going to be in 
Captain America two, and knowing it was like Winter Soldier, I did go buy the like Ed Brubaker run of Winter Soldier and read it. So some of it was familiar to me from from like the 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 comics. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just being like, this is super fucking cool. Oh, hey, there's those airships that I saw before. That's really awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's why they go to New Jersey. Okay. I there's my now. co-star Robert Redford. You know. <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Rob. So the I, I was in with Gary Shandling too. I always forget yeah. that. That's yeah. a neat. Yeah. Your co-stars. For a comedy. This, Oh, precisely. So this movie, back in the day, I remember seeing it and being like, this is the best Marvel movie so far. Hands down, no question. Yes. And watching it again for this podcast, I was again like, this is probably still the best Marvel movie. Like, there's a couple it of is. others that are right up there, but this is so good and it has stayed good since 2014. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. It was it was such a joy to rewatch again because it was like you think to yourself, Oh man, this was really great. But then like rewatching, it's still so enjoyable. I loved all the crazy knife fighting stuff. And like, even though I knew it was coming, it's still so great to watch. And then the addition of like knowing so much about Falcon and winter soldier now because of the show and then knowing black widow is dead. It made everything just like even more. So mm-hmm. it was really great. I think it's the best shot Marvel movie for sure. Like just the the action sequences, the battles, because these are like full on battles. uh, Some of these scenes, not just like fight sequences, the way the pace that they operate at and the way you're like close in on the fight and then you're back out. It's super comic booky in a way that a lot of the other movies, I think there's too much going on for them to take those moments and really make it feel that way. And, just rewatching this movie, I was like, ah, oh, it's just uh, everything hurts so good in this movie. Yeah. I mean, jumping off of some of the stuff that you were saying, DC, about the Russo brothers, uh, people may know this, but they were picked up uh, reportedly. I, I don't know how true this is. I'm sure there was an interview process as well. But apparently Kevin Feige saw the two part season finale of season two of Community, which is the second and third paintball episode. Uh, The last one is a Western. I don't remember what the one is before that, but those were great. They're so good. They're so well choreographed, so well done. They're comedy stuff, but they're really well shot, and the action is really good, and the action is really clear, and apparently that's what Kevin Feige saw and said, okay, that clinches it. These guys are going to get the job here. Um, But I think like the other part of it that I sort of wanted to comment on that you mentioned was I think what what the Russo brothers bring and what clearly has kept them with the MCU so long is being team players. I think that's something that we talked about a lot when we were talking through phase one of the podcast. There were a couple of hiccups there because they brought in people that were artists that did great work, but weren't necessarily interested in being part of a team. They were singularly mm-hmm. visionaries, whether it's an actor or whether it's a director or something like that. And what the Russos brought And I remember I was working at MTV News at the time, and as soon as they announced them, we immediately were like, oh, yeah, it's off of the paintball episode. People are going to think this weird because they're comedy directors, but clearly they know how to direct action. But also what the MCU is moving towards is this very TV nature of their movies, but one movie leads into the next movie leads to the next movie. And this is the one 
that really nailed that home. Coming out of Avengers, a lot of people, I think, called it like Avengers 1.5. I know they brought that up a lot in interviews. But you got Black Widow in it. At a certain point, Hawkeye was supposed to be in it as well. You got Nick Fury, Maria Hill. It's all these things that is a team that moves the Captain America story forward and is a Captain America movie, but it's also this TV story of what's going on in the MCU. It's episodic leading into Age of Ultron and even directly into a lot of plot lines that are picked up in Captain America 3 at the same time. So I think that's what really worked about it. And the fact that they did, apparently so casually on the set, but go so hard with the action, um, they those scenes are so long. Like, everybody brings yeah. up... The elevator fight, which is great, like so good and so well staged. But things like the bridge fight, just the multiple levels of what's going on there are insane. The scene where Nick Fury is being attacked in his car that just goes on and gets tenser and tenser and bigger and bigger. In the car, yeah. All of that stuff leading into the finale even, um, which, mind you, the finale is, like, great. That's definitely the most MCU part with three enormous things where they're like, we have to take three things and put them in three things and sort of like this very treasure hunt thing. But even that emotion ultimately comes down to this very awesome, very end of Empire Strikes Back type fight between Steve and Bucky right there on the bridge which is very intimate and is very emotional. And I think that's what they brought across the board. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like uh, it's not only like the best Captain America movie, it's the best Black Widow movie. And I think it's definitely the best Nick Fury movie. Like, I feel like Nick Fury is always wandering in and out and sort of doesn't have much to say or do. And this, you sort of feel you're going through it with him a little bit. And he actually gets a great, great action sequence the death and re- reveal that he's alive at the end. And truly black, we talk a lot in through, through the phase one movies, like black widow never gets any real, it's like a caricature and a sort of not really a character they take care of leading up to it. And here we actually see she's a person. Um, and she has, yeah, she has a lot of, kind of like moments. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll say this might even be a better black widow movie than black widow potentially. <laughs> Oh, yeah. come on. I think that's, I mean, let's but I think that's crazy. fair, but also she has more going on. And like, in some ways in this movie than in the black widow movie, because the black widow movie is about all these other people. And this movie is, it's sort of about her in a lot of ways. Well, a lot of it, and they drive home this theme so well is this paranoia. They called on seventies thrillers a lot when they were coming up with the movie. And I think, uh, you know, arguable whether that comes through, certainly it's through the lens of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and superheroes and all these things. So it's not exactly a 70s movie star Gene Hackman or anything like that, but certainly it has notes of that. The big thing that I think they do, though, is they really drive home what lying and double truths does to everybody, what keeping secrets does and the weight that lies on everybody. And my absolute favorite part of this movie, the thing that makes it a great Captain America movie and is almost opposite from any other superhero thing ever is it starts off very specifically with Captain America in this gray suit, in this stealth suit while they're going on the Lemurian star, uh, while they're going on these stealth missions, he's working for shield. He's learning after being unfrozen after the Avengers that the world is murky. It's gray. Who's good. Who's evil. You don't know. Shield is Hydra. Hydra is shield. What is going on? And by the end, he's like, Nope, (laughs) absolutely not. No, no, good is good and evil is evil. I'm getting back in my old suit and we're doing this. And any other thing 
has the hero being like, I really learned a lesson about how complicated the world is. And this is goes in the exact opposite direction. And that's what makes it such a wonderful, great Captain America movie to watch at the same time as you are dealing with these relatively heady themes for the MCU. I would. Uh, yeah, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, Pete. Well, I, I was going to kind of sidetrack it. So if you wanted to. Uh, oh, yeah. I was just going to say real quick on the like 70s thrillers thing. Like, I do think one thing that it has that feels very 70s thriller esque, besides the sort of like, you know, like an, an amazing and just sort of like big in the theater moments, like, you know, uh, Gary Shandling's senator being like, Hail Hydra. Hail Hydra. Or whatever. Yeah. You're just yeah. like, oh, okay, <laughs> these guys are all fucking in cahoots and everybody's corrupt. Um, the, uh, that feeling that you get in like movies like three days of the condor or like parallax view where it's sort of like, Oh, I'm just kind of going along and I think I know what's going on. And suddenly a bunch of guys with crazy guns or whatever are going to show up or they were already there and they're going to pull out guns and they're going to like kill everyone and maybe think they killed me. And then it's sort of like, I thought those were my friends, but actually they're the enemy or I don't know who those guys are. And like fucking everything, everything has changed. Like the game has changed now. And I, uh, I have no idea who my friends and enemies are in the way that this movie does that you know, several times throughout and just being like, I think things are going in one direction and then suddenly the bottom just drops out and now I'm just on the run and I have no idea who I can trust, I think is is very, and also is, is endemic to the original uh, comic story as well. But I think the Russos do a great job of kind of like capturing that feeling. And that is a very kind of cool thing to get to see these people that are literally superheroes be, you know, driven down to the point of those kind of like everyman heroes of the those 70s uh, movies of just like i'm just like on the run i'm in a hoodie yeah. i can't trust anybody i don't think and being yeah. able to find clarity through all of that i think is what's amazing like it so many superhero movies now like are wildly overburdened with uh complexity and this there's so much going on but the way they've just organized the information it, it's really well handled so you're not like drowning the entire movie Plus, I, I think what what's really cool and it was something that Alex was talking about a little bit is the fact of like unbelievable action, unbelievable, just kind of like over the top explosions, such great kind of popcorn movie stuff. But the real great stuff is the small things between the people like the on your left all starts here. And that is like how the movie starts, you know, and that they use so uh so well later. I mean, it's just all the little moments that like Cat and Black, you know, uh, Black Widow and Cap have. It's just like this is the the kind of bond that really kind of forms them, and, and it's so strong and powerful and so cool. Plus, you know, it really starts with the Marvel flip. You know, oh, using the comics and like Marvel. God, here we go. You know what I mean? Like just time. give a little nod to why you're here. You know what Pete. I mean? Like you started from comics. It should be in the beginning credits. A little homage to what got you here. I think it's very powerful and cool. You're a dinosaur. Yes, you absolutely are. I do agree with you though that one of my favorite scenes of the movie is when Steve and Natasha are just driving in the car and just talking. That gets to their character. That gets to the heart of both of them. Like you were saying. Justin, I believe you were saying just this really tells you so much about Black Widow as a character and what she stands for and what she's gone through much more so than pretty much any other movie that she's been in. 
And it's also relatively subtle. Like, there's some really good acting work from Scarlett Johansson here. Yeah. And another Beyond the Car thing, one of my favorite moments is towards the end when you have that turn from Alexander Pierce. He's already knocked out. I think he's already knocked out the Global Security Council. She's about to WikiLeak all the secrets from S.H.I.E.L.D. and HYDRA onto the Internet. And he starts poking at her a little bit. And there's just like a flick of her fingers as she pauses when he says, all of your secrets are going to come out, too. And it's one of those things where Black Widow is always playing somehow. But here you can feel that she's being honest. You know that it actually gives her pause for a second because she's like, everybody's really going to know who I am. And that's not something that I've ever done. And letting her do that without being like, you're right, my ledger's red, and mm-hmm. uh, the red room was where I learned. It's just <laughs> yeah, like, okay, yeah. we don't, we just that, that motion is enough. And that's the confidence of uh, people like DC, you were saying, people that know what they're doing and have the confidence to be like, hey, let's just do this and make this right, and then we'll figure it out. Another thing that really helps that we've been talking a little bit about with the Phase 2 movies in particular is Iron Man 3, you have the villain, uh, Aldrich Killian, Guy Pierce, great actor, but kind of a weird villain. And then there's the Trevor Slattery thing, which I love, but also very much diffuses the villain. Then last week we were talking about with Thor The Dark World, you got Malekith, who's just nothing. Like, they, they don't give him anything to do. They don't give Chris Eccleston wow. anything to do. But it so helps that you have Robert Redford as the villain yeah. in this movie. It's wild. Why did he do this movie? What was he? Apparently his he grandchildren sees... loved Marvel and he was like, yeah, I want to give them something they could watch with me in it. That's not sneakers, Yeah, I'm I sure guess. his grandchildren were like, I'm, yeah, I want to be the villain. I want to be a Nazi Hydra <laughs> for my grandkids. <laughs> Um, and by the way, I love the movie Sneakers, so I hope that was a nice mention of it. Uh, it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, Sneakers is, is so good. Great. If anybody hasn't seen yeah. it, that's one of the like most underseen, such a good uh, uh, Hollywood movie. But yeah, also, too, I think like for them, for the filmmakers, I mean, like such a coup getting yeah. Redford in there because of like Three Days of the Condor, because he's uh, this huge. sort of like symbol of like 60s, 70s, kind of both like baby boomer disillusionment but then also idealism and then now it's sort of like he's a guy who's like oh, i gotta kill a bunch of millions of people <laughs> yeah. but to save more people where you're just like you've got it all fucking rationalized in your head and you've decided that selling out is actually the best way to whatever and i think that's neat if, if not a little like cynical to sort of see you know that sort of that actor used as kind of a like symbol of a sort of like generations kind of yeah fumbling the completely fumbling the ball as far as like uh, idealism goes and then that that also feels like it feeds into alex what you were talking about with cap being like you know robert redford as somebody i don't know if literally the character but the sort of film symbol of robert redford going from like idealism to cynicism and then cap kind of doing the opposite where he's like i guess i'm supposed to be cynical actually wait no i was right all along i am i am supposed to be uh, idealistic it's, great, it's really cool that's why so you gotta love these characters these characters like if you can pull off as this movie does, and I think that the MCU does, and, and it's a, a, a testament to Chris Evans as well. Like he's a he's such a good guy whose whose sort of moral compass is very like I trust it, and I really think it's right on. And then you're like, you believe in that? That's so hard to get that to come across, yeah. you know? Like that's so. But it is what we I think a lot of us as people who grew up reading comics, like at the end of the day, you got the morally gray stuff and you got some stuff where it's like, it's so fucked up and messed up and whatever. But there's like always a part of you that wants that, that feeling of like, this guy's right and he does yeah. the right thing and he wins is so he's tested, but then it, it comes through is, is, is really. Now, neat. one thing that I 
this is going to come out uh, strong, but always had a problem with with this movie is the oh, is the Winter Soldier reveal. The problem is mine, mind you. My, the problem is that I'm a comic book exactly. fan who, like exactly. we were talking about earlier, read the Ed Brubaker run of Captain America, knew the whole story, knew that Bucky was the Winter Soldier. So when it comes, I think it's like an hour and a half into the movie when the mask finally literally falls off and we see it's Bucky yeah. and he says, who's Bucky? That moment didn't quite hit for me because when I saw it originally, my reaction was like, okay, finally, we got, yes, thank you, I know this. But I do wonder, how did it strike you guys? I mean, I we all read the book, so we all know what's going on, but did it strike you in a different way? And I'm curious, this is very silly, but did you get any feedback from anybody who hadn't read the comics? It was like, oh shit, it's Bucky, and it struck the way that it was supposed to. I liked it. I, I liked it for the first time. I knew, you know, I knew that I knew, but I was like, for the story, I think they do a great job of, you get a little taste of Bucky at the beginning when Cap's checking out his own exhibit at the museum, which, come on, dude. Yeah, I know. Dude, I'm the just going to go. You didn't do I'm sad. I'm going to go vanity. to my exhibit, look at myself a little bit, you know. I love that moment, though, that moment where the kid sees him and goes, <gasps> and he just goes, shh, yeah. to him. Very how many How many times a day does he do that? He goes if down you, there, he's like hushing. If you were supposed to be dead for 60 to 70 years, Justin, and they made a museum exhibit for you in the Smithsonian, you'd go there. All right, well, there's, what, 50% chance of that happening? Let's just see if that is going <laughs> right. out right now. We'll check it's back in this podcast in 70 back, years. Back, back, we'll follow up. Um, I'll be doing it alone because you guys will be dust. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but the, um, yeah, we get the little bit of Taste of Buck in the beginning, and then the reveal later, I thought it was uh, very well done. Yeah, I mean, I understand a little bit of what you're saying, Zalz, because it is like, it's clear early uh, if you're paying attention who it is. So it's like you're the like, all right, come on, see him, see, you know, and because it's like you can see. But I guess without the mask on, you can't really tell because of, uh, you know, it's just his eyes. And, but it's like very clear. So it is. <laughs> you have any experience with that in real world? No, yeah, real, I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I just think it's uh it, it it's not it doesn't drive you crazy you know what i mean they do it in mm-hmm. such there's so many other movies you're not sitting there going come on put it together you know what i mean like there's so much happening uh so they do a good job of like walking that tightrope of like oh you know who this is but not you know not our main character yet so yeah i think it, it's done well well and it ultimately pays off really well right you know i mentioned that yeah. fight at the end but Again, the fact that like Cap throws away his shield, takes off his mask, and just stands there and he says, "I'm not going to fight you." Throw he away. throws it away. He so drops hard. it he's out like, of the plane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's like, "Get out of here, Shield! I don't want you anymore." And his whole thing is catching the Shield and making it come back to him, right? Yeah. And it's so, a metaphor because he throws away the Shield at the same time as he's destroying Shield. Like he's also throwing away Shield, so it's like two shields. Also, if it's we're not doing even a metaphor. metaphor, those are just words. Those are just <laughs> those, are those words. Mean. I'm just saying things <laughs> twice. He uh, he's a captain and he goes down with the ship like mm-hmm. he stays. Everybody oh, else gets man. off. He's like, no, no, I'm staying. I'm going down with the ship. Mm. Oh, that's really cool. But the fact that wow. he does uh, literally put down his fist and say, I'm not going to fight you is almost granted. They've had this amazing fight scene before it. But it, and he can do that all day. We know. Yes. We've seen it. But it's so. it's not an anticlimax, but it's definitely the same sort of thing where it's working against your expectations of what you think is going to happen in this sort of thing. Um, and it changes things. Like, it's definitely, it feels like, it felt like, and it still feels like here, 
that it's a lot of dot, dot, dot. It's an ellipses leading into Captain America Civil War when we pick up with Bucky again and we get delve further into what's going on with him. But I guess they're mostly using him here as like an external force, right? More than anything for Cap. Yeah. 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 You're not in his head at all. Except for I, the scene when he gets his mind erased in that horrible show. Oh, yeah. Mm. No fun. Yeah, was... Oh, that this is uh, very off topic, but something that I wanted to mention about this movie that I remember while I was watching it is this also felt like a step forward in terms of marketing for Marvel with this movie because I so clearly remember <laughs> oh. the trailers for this that they tricked people. There is the, the mind-wiping thing. They only showed you... Robert Redford's perspective where he's giving this speech about you being a tribute to the nation. So the implication was, oh, okay, he's saying that to Captain America. And I think they even cut it with a shot of Steve looking upset about something. So you think that's what's going on there. That's pretty typical trailer stuff. But the scene of Nick Fury lying on the slab after he's quote unquote died, they actually edited, they digitally changed it so that there was a sheet over the body so you didn't know who it was. So it's the same scene in the trailer, but you don't know that it's Nick Fury. And I I just remember that very clearly as like they had pretty straightforward trailers that everybody saw the movie was like, what? You changed it for the trailer? You digitally edited it? And now they do that all the time. They lied to us? Yeah, but they take people out. They change scenes. Stuff that they're showing off in the trailers is not necessarily what is in the movie. So I don't know. Interesting. So Marvel is Hydra, is what you're Marvel saying. Marvel is Hydra. Yeah. A couple of other quick things to throw out at you guys to get your beat on. Uh, we meet Agent 13 later on, turning out to be the power broker in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. What do you think about her introduction in this movie? Uh, she's She doesn't have too much to do yeah. um, here. So I, I don't know. I fe- it felt like they, we should have gotten more um, or or not done it, really. You're talking about Sharon? Yeah, Sharon Carter. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I love the the moment where he's like neighbor and when they kind of like walk yeah. past each other in the Hydra slash shield office. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was, name. it was done well because what I liked about it is like you get this kind of like, oh, hi, yeah, that's my aunt on the phone. Oh, she's always, you know, and he's like, oh, hey, did you ever want to hang out? And she's like, no, I'm good. I'll just keep a watch on you. That was like, okay, like she's working, trying to keep things like uh, professional. And that was like a clear, like kind of like, all right, she's a plant. And then when it was revealed, it was such a like, hey, nice job for paying attention moment. Um, so I thought it was like a cool because she, what's great is she's been there through so much. So when we see her turn bad, it's like, you know, you were working in a place you thought you were working for the good guys. Turns out you were working for a Hydra. So, yeah, when she goes over to kind of like become Agent 13 and, you know, it's it's a full arc kind of. Uh, sure. Uh, Frank Grillo as Crossbones. I think he's well, he's not Crossbones in this movie. He's just an agent of strike or whatever it's called. Uh, I thought he was pretty fun. I liked him. Yeah. Um, also, Georges St. Pierre shows up as Batroc. The Batroc. Batroc de Lepeau. Great fight scene. Great fight know? scene over there. Uh, and we yeah. do get, we should mention, we do get Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. Old Peggy Carter shows up. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Uh, which is a very sweet, sad scene. And then in the next movie, she yes. dies. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah. any other move- moments you want to call out from the movie in particular? Anything else that jumped out at you? 
Uh, just a couple of quick things. Um, I love the line, all the guys from my barbershop quartet are dead. Dead, yeah. So he yeah. doesn't have any plans for the night. Yeah, you Fun can stuff. identify with that because you had that accident at your barbershop, right? Yeah, exactly. They didn't pin We're that s- on you, right? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't pin. They tried to pin it on me, but yeah. they couldn't because yeah. I loved all the other three guys in that quartet. Uh, what a team we were gonna we were gonna take on the doo-wop world. Uh, the I love the name tag bombs. Um, yeah. That's some real prep you have to do when you're um, Robert Redford. Um, watch out at your next party um, if that's going to happen, and uh, that's it. Pete, what about you? Any other moments you wanted to call out? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Peggy Carter stuff was very emotional, and then the fun kind of undercutting it uh, that uh, uh, Black Widow did with, like, was that your first kiss since 1945? Like, that, that was, was fun. really fun line. Um, the Dr. Zola stuff was a little infuriating the second time around because it's like you guys are talking to this computer for no reason. Like, you know, clearly he's stalling, like get the fuck out of there. So that was a little tough the second time around um, that you're like, I'm not a computer. Yes, you are a computer. What are you arguing with this thing for? Like there's so much other things going on. Um, uh, But yeah. um, And then, you know, we got the Stanley cameo. That was a fun kind of like non-weird cameo. So I was happy about that. It was just kind of a classic kind of like, oh, I'm going to get fired. Somebody stole the Captain America suit. Um, so, yeah, I thought that was great. One, and one little I, quick thing about that that I didn't notice until this time through in the end credits scene where Bucky goes back to the museum. They've changed yeah. the Howling uh, Commandos exhibit to take the Captain America model off there. So it's just the Howling Commandos. They move them all closer together. That's all. Just a yeah. just a nice little bit for and the continuity. Bucky experts. just going to his own museum exhibit, <laughs> yeah. just trying Again, to flex on him. You would one hundred percent do that. You would one hundred percent do that. I guess if I was in his position, I was like, "Who am I going to a museum about myself?" Helpful. Would be a great way to learn. Yeah. yeah. I gotta say, I gotta disagree with Pete about the Doctor Zola stuff. I remember seeing that the first time. It's like, and it's Toby Jones, right? He's mm-hmm. like the the. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. I'm a sucker for like antiquated computer stuff so just the idea <laughs> yeah. of like oh there's a true like ENIAC level computer that's just a bunch of like whirring tapes and stuff and it's the size of a warehouse but it is gonna actually produce this guy who's like he is an AI or whatever but it's just like all through the most analog technology I was like yeah that's really cool and I do remember being like hey I'm in I'm in a movie with this I love this this is great and I was just having that <laughs> yeah. moment uh continually but I as a fan of that kind of stuff uh uh I just thought it was uh neat it's such a neat fun you know idea in a movie full of of really cool ideas well and it's such a smart way of doing the Arnim Zola from the comics, but not having him a guy walking around with a big TV on his chest, Yeah, you know, coming up with a realistic way of doing it, which is something that the MCU does really well, taking these comic book ideas, coming up with a realistic way, but not apologizing for it, not having it be that X-Men thing where like, I never wear a costume. What are you talking about? This is dumb. It always feels fun instead. A couple of little Easter eggs and things that I wanted to mention before we move on to our next section here. I know I mentioned this earlier, but uh, the Hawkeye thing, while I was reading about the movie, it just got sadder and sadder because apparently Hawkeye was supposed to be a big part of the movie. They wrote him into the script. He was going to fight Cap and help him escape. And then they kept finding ways where, oh, we could take his stuff and kind of give it to Black Widow and then give it to Black Widow. And there's nothing he's doing here. 
and there's no emotional arc. And all right, let's just not have him in the movie. And that was it. And mm-hmm. it's very Hawkeye Oof. for him to be like, you're not even necessary for this movie that we're specifically <laughs> trying to write you into. So sad. Uh, this is something that I didn't know before that is super fun. So Steve's notebook where he's writing down all the things that he has to oh, get yeah. caught up on. The Star first Wars. five what items were different in every country that they were released. They made them specific oh. to the country. The oh, last wow. five items, I guess, always stayed the same, uh, but they switched them up. So, like, the UK one had Sherlock and the Beatles and uh, something else. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of fun. Um, oh, the front of the mall where you worked at D.C., the front of that was actually the German opera house where Loki tries to subjugate everybody in the Avengers. They use the oh, location wow. again. Yeah. So inside your Apple store, outside Germany. Um, <laughs> Ed Brubaker, who wrote Winter Soldier, uh, shows up as a scientist at the birth of Winter Soldier. I didn't look up this quote, but I believe he has said that he made more money for his appearance in the movie than he made for actually creating the character of Winter Soldier. Uh, And that's part of the reason that he doesn't really do mainstream comics anymore is because of that, which is kind of wild and very sad for the comic book industry. Uh, Gary Sinise narrates the Howling Commandos exhibit, which I didn't know before. Uh, And on Nick Fury's grave, Pete, you're going to... Yeah, this was I was going to... Yeah, go ahead, Pete, take it. So, yeah, this is uh, Ezekiel, the quote from Pulp Fiction. So it was nice that, you know, Samuel L. Jackson uh, being Samuel L. Jackson was just like so much that even Nick Fury dying got a Samuel like a a Pulp Fiction quote. That was pretty cool. Yeah. And the last thing, of course, everybody knows this. I don't even need to mention this, but this ties into the season one finale of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And Nick Fury is wearing the same outfit at the end of the movie. He goes right into that. Very awkwardly shows up to help Coulson with whoever they were fighting. I don't even remember. But there you go. Let's move on to our next section, which is the vision board where we look ahead at what's coming up. We've covered a lot of this stuff on the podcast, but we can touch briefly on some of it. First of all, there's Captain America 4 is going to come up. We didn't really actually talk about Anthony Mackie's Falcon, Anthony Mackie's Falcon, excuse me, being introduced here too much. He's great in the movie. So good. Love his character. And I love they just go for it. They don't have to have a whole origin about getting the wings. All that. It's just like, boom, he's there. He's doing it. And I think that's why he hit so hard, because it was like he is just cool. Yeah. One thing that struck me, though, rewatching this, he talks about his wingman, Riley, who helped him out and his crew. Do you think that's something they would ever loop back to for a Captain America four potentially? I hope so. Uh, maybe, I don't know, it feels a little bit, I feel like the characters move past all that, yeah. like I think he's got some bigger things to get to, but who knows, I don't know if they're going to go backwards at all. Well, to that end, I mean, that was the next thing that I wanted to talk about, because we don't have really specific things that skew off of this, because the thing that comes off of Captain America Winter Soldier is Captain America Civil War. At the end of this movie, and this has stayed pretty constant over the past seven years <laughs> of the MCU, is Hydra is pretty much done. S.H.I.E.L.D. is pretty much done, other than Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., of course, at what's been going on there. Though maybe that's not catted now. We don't exactly know. Might be on another timeline, the non-sacred one in the multiverse. But do you think they'd ever loop mm. back to Hydra, to S.H.I.E.L.D.? Is that because it's such a core part of the comics, is it something that they would bring back potentially in future movies? Uh, I do think a, a new Hydra starting up is a good um, thing for them to for uh, 
for Captain America, for Anthony Mackie's Captain America to handle. So, like, that would be very cool, I think. Or or just, like, I'm trying to remember some of the stories for, from the comics when when uh, he, when Sam Wilson was Cap. Because I don't, there weren't a ton of them that were like, these are the big Titanic storylines. That I feel like he went up the against the Serpent Society is one thing that I remember. Yeah. But I think that's true. Yeah, different than Hydra. Hydra, snakes, Serpent Society, other types of snakes. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Super clear on that. Uh, what do you think, Pete? Are we ever going to see Hydra or S.H.I.E.L.D. again in the MCU? Well, I yeah, I mean, I, it, Hydra is something that we go to a bunch uh, in the comics. So I think that, you know, it's definitely a go-to, especially if we get any kind of like Falcon and his Captain America stories, since it is kind of like in his origin of kind of taking up the mantle. I think it would be an uh, interesting thing. It's just hard once you go down the Hydra path of like then being like, okay, all these people are Hydra and then we got to restore this whole thing. So I don't know, but uh, it could be done well. It could be done not well, but so far, you know, it's, they've been doing great with it. So it's kind of like scrolls. It makes me a little nervous because it's, <laughs> you in comic books, it's like, just like nervous. a retcon. It's like, well, I don't like this decision. We can just say they were scrolls. So, you know, yeah. All right. Uh, before we wrap up here, one thing that I kind of blasted by DC is you also wrote a Winter Soldier comic in Marvel Comics Present, right? Yeah, that's correct. I got uh, quickly. Uh, I will try to do an even shorter version of this story. Uh, <laughs> is is it's similar where it's just like this cool opportunity came my way and I tried to do a good job. Um, I an editor who was at Marvel at the time. I, I think he's uh, now doing his own thing. But this editor, Chris Robinson, basically contacted me. He was mm-hmm. like, I've been assigned. I get to pick somebody to do a story in Marvel Comics Presents, which is a it was like a resurrection of like kind of a classic Marvel like anthology series where it's a bunch of different heroes um and different stories that are like shorter than your usual uh comic story and he was like i was vaguely aware that you are also like a writer and whatever so he was basically just told me up front he was like i just kind of think it would be funny to have you do a winter soldier story since you were in that movie and also your name is dc and that's kind of funny and also i think you would do a good (laughs) job like i've read your stuff like i think it would be cool and i was like dude say no more um and and especially as somebody that grew up loving you know Marvel and and had a bunch of you know giant like 70s era just like coffee table books of like origins of Marvel superheroes or whatever I was just like I could not be more on board with this this is super duper cool and basically all there was to it is he was like dude uh, Winter Soldier is really cool because there was this weird you know crazy period between where he was working I think in the comics he wasn't working for Hydra I think he was canonically working for like the Russians basically like right am I off target on that or the that's correct. Yeah. Um, and so there, there was like, he was like, there was a period between there and when he resurfaces as winter soldier where he had been brainwashed and he was just doing like assassin stuff, but he, he was just like in the wind. So there's just this huge period of time that you get to play around with in like history where he could basically do everything or basically do anything. And kind of like what we were talking about earlier with like the improv and canon and stuff, he was like, so yeah, you can kind of do anything. You just can't like, be like and then thanos shows up and then winter soldier kills him you know what i mean he was just like don't be an asshole with continuity basically and And so he was like pitch me a couple stories i pitched him a couple of of different like here's kind of one line things that i think would be cool he picked one of them and and that ended up being a sort of 
weirdly an homage to this is super fucking obscure or or weird or offbeat but i was really into the robert a caro uh book uh the power broker all about robert moses who's the guy who kind of designed right. like the modern american kind of like car focused city and he was a guy who started out as this um uh you know similar to bucky in a lot of ways like started out as a kind of like plucky guy who's gonna whatever and then ends up kind of living long enough to see himself become the villain and so basically decided like it would be cool to see uh winter soldier kind of like have to um basically face off against a character like that and i gave him a menagerie of like sewer creatures and stuff that he had discovered uh while he was like raising uh, uh new york city in the 70s and he had like would come across weird you know new york-based cryptids and put them in his own little personal zoo uh and then also there's like some french <laughs> connection -y stuff in there i was like i want to have some of that stuff and also it's eight pages uh, <laughs> so i really i did that thing where Make it I've, a meal. I've heard people say that about like people's first feature films or they're just like people when they get a chance to make a movie just want to cram every idea they've ever had in there. And that's what I tried to do with this <laughs> eight page Winter Soldier comic. Um, and you can decide if I was successful or not. I thought it was really cool. Um, and uh, yeah, it's available in the like, I think, July 2019. Uh, uh, I just look it up. Marvel, it's Comics, Marvel Presents. Comics Presents number seven from July 31st, 2019. It seems like it's available on Marvel Comics Unlimited if you subscribe to that service or you can yeah. buy it digitally for $4.99 so there you go uh, before we let you go is there anything else you want to plug anything else people should check out from you um, I would say if you, uh, like, um, kind of, you know, this kind of stuff, comic books, fantasy, science fiction, and in, in that vein, uh, I wrote a novel called the boy who couldn't sleep and never had to, that is basically about, um, a couple of kids who are making their own sort of like homemade comic book. And that's how they become friends. And then one of the friends reveals to the other one that he actually, uh, has no biological need for sleep and he never has. And they, they discover that like, holy shit, my friend is cooler than, uh, uh, than anything in any comic we could have ever uh, created. And uh, uh, not only hijinks ensue, but also sort of like, you know, paranoid uh, whatever and things that are cool beyond their wildest imagination. So if you like uh, this kind of stuff, I think you would like that book. It's called The Boy Who Couldn't Sleep and Never Had To. And then I also wrote another book called Crap Kingdom that's like a fun fantasy young adult comedy adventure. Uh, both of those are available as books, as ebooks, as audiobooks. If you're on Audible, I read both of them. If you haven't had your fill of hearing me talk for the last hour and a half um and uh that's it those are the things i would like to plug i'm also on twitter at dc pearson and on face or i mean sorry instagram at d-e-e-c-e-e -E -E pearson so uh check me out awesome dc awesome. thank you Great so books. much for coming on fingers crossed new master 69 turns out to be the big villain in phase yeah. four yeah we're going to see it happen. Yeah. And for all of you out there, if you would like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and, uh, you know, follow the podcast or whatever. At Marvel <laughs> Vision dream. Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, stay marvelous. That's the way we end it. Ha, ha, ha.